Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you for joining me and welcome to the show. It is a true blessing to be able to connect with the top minds and strength each week and share these stories, insights, and experiences on becoming stronger in every area of life. And now I want to do more for you. On June 16th in the Strength Connection Facebook group, I'm conducting the Kettlebell Mastery Seminar Part 2, how to actually get stronger in as little as one hour a week using only one kettlebell. In this seminar, I'm going to be discussing the training modalities and programs that I found personally and from some of the greatest coaches in the world on how to maximize your training time and learn the great skill of intuition. This has been one of the greatest experiences in training I've had and has truly changed my life and the way I train and coach, so I'm so pumped to share this with you. So there's no charge, you just need to register in the private Facebook group of The Strength Connection. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations and training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in your life. So this group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength in their lives, and it's the perfect space to explore ideas and to share your journey with others. So just go to the Facebook groups, type in the Strength Connection, and you'll be accepted immediately. All right, once you're there, click on the registration in the group, and then you're all set. All right, thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you on the inside. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Grateful to have you here. Angus, so nice to meet you, man. This is going to be great. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, really appreciate having me on. I know you've had Gary, mm-hmm. some other sleep experts, happy to dive in and uh, maybe give my my kind of twist on sleep and how uh, some of your audience can apply that, you know, to give some simple action steps as well. Absolutely. Great guy, Gary. It was a, it was a blast to talk to him and kind of get the the roots behind what you guys are doing over with sleep pro coach um, and everything. And I know we've connected a few different times with our group that we're in, you know, with partners. Um, but I know this is a, as I mentioned before offline, this is a topic of sleep that is so vital. We all know it. We all know we need more sleep, but it's still something that I think so many people struggle with. And as coaches, we don't stress enough for the people that we work with to emphasize the importance of this routine and to, and to make sure of it. So I know you've done so much work with your company on, you know, not just kind of the things we know of like, yeah, these are good routines to do, but also the DNA and the science behind it as well. So we're going to dive into quite a few topics here and we'll just, we'll get it rolling. Awesome, man. Yeah. The law, the law of individuality is something I'm really passionate about and that's where DNA Comes mm-hmm. in, and Gary was actually a client, so he got such good mm-hmm. results, and he was, you know, really applied himself. I actually offered him a, a role to come and work for me. So, yeah, yeah a couple of years later, <laughs> it, it's funny. It's a tale as old as time. I think of sometimes the the best clients that all of a sudden they turn into some of your best coaches and your partners from there. So yeah. that's awesome. Exactly, yeah. it, it got the results. He did the work and was a great example. So, uh, so yeah, man, so he's doing really well. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I'd love to kick this off, just getting to know a little bit more about you, you know, um, how, like, if you could just tell us a little bit about your background, kind of how you got into this world, like, what was it about the world of sleep and, you know, coaching that really inspired you to, to build this company and build everything that you're doing right now? Yeah, man. So I guess a lot of your audience are from uh, the States. So I'm, um, I've got a Scottish name. Um, <laughs> so that's the North part of, uh, Great Britain. Uh, but I, I come from England, so sort of uh, South England and uh, and London is where I grew up. So um, yeah, had a, had a great upbringing, uh, teachers for parents. Um, but I, I grew up as uh, and a lot of Americans don't realize this. There are uh, places in the UK where there are sort of different races. And as a white person in the school I went to, I was actually uh, like an outcast and, and bullied a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I moved school when I was very young. 
Um, and that, that kind of affected me a lot as a child. I'd, I had bad skin as well, suffered from acne and um, just kind of didn't really fit in and definitely fell into like a victim mindset and sort of didn't learn how to defend myself. So I was, I was bullied for sort of a, uh, the start of my life um, and then kind of got into like, you know, partying and all that kind of stuff on the weekends into my teens. Um, eventually kind of got into um, like sales jobs because I just enjoyed working hard. So I sort of was doing that. Um, and then uh, one night kind of was... It got into a situation where I was, I was nearly stabbed. Um, you know, I was in a situation where it was like 3am in the morning at a bus stop um, and was chased down a road by, well, you know, I choose to run. It's probably a wise decision with a, <laughs> with a guy with a knife and a wine bottle and I was definitely outnumbered. So the, the next day I'd, I'd woken up and um, I just realized I'd been running for most of my life from bullies. And I was, I was kind of just had this feeling of I'm done with it. And I kind of dabbled a little bit in martial arts, a couple of boxing lessons, but I wasn't really, I wasn't really sort of doing it regularly. So I just took myself off to Thailand uh, for three months, didn't know anybody, um, said to the job I was in, uh, I was like, you know, can I take uh, three months off? And because I was the top producer, they were like, yeah, as long as you, as long as you come back, it's all good. Yeah. Wow. So kind of got the excuse. Uh, then I went to Thailand and it was, it, you know, you kind of feel like, is this a holiday Get, getting there? But I was waking up at 5am and do a 5k in the morning. Mm-hmm. Then we'd do three hours of training and then three hours. Uh, so morning, three hours, kind of have lunch, maybe like a nap in the afternoon and then three hours in the afternoon. So I did that for three months. And that really kind of like, it was like a rite of passage for me at that age. I was kind okay. of in my young twenties and I just hadn't really been out of my comfort zone. And the, the biggest lesson I got from that experience was on on the first day, you know, a casual 5k run in the morning, right? And and in Thailand heat, it's pretty, pretty bad. Not so yeah. bad when it's 6am. It's not, not so, uh, not so like, you know, it's not like 3pm. Um, but after I'd finished that run, I then got to the camp and they said, right, what's next? I was the only person that finished that run as well, by the way, everyone else had, uh, had like keeled over. Them. <laughs> I just turned my head around and right back, that guy's like on the floor now. And that guy's, <laughs> Uh, so I finished and I'm like, all right, I, I kind of went there in decent shape because uh, I'd training a lot to, to, in the build-up. Guys are right, skipping now, skipping for 20 minutes, which is just brutal as well. Like it, skipping is, is to take some time to get used to mm-hmm. and then into like pad work and sparring. And an hour into it, it's three hours, right? Uh, an hour into it, I looked at the clock, I was like, I'm done. And I was just, I went to the toilet. So I could want to be sick, uh, had some water out of the tap, which is a big no-no in Thailand, right? Mm-hmm. Probably not going to do me any favors. And I just kind of looked in the mirror and said, did I come here to quit? And I've traveled all the way across the world and all I've been doing in my life is quitting. I need to get back out there and I need to go and, you know, put the work in. So I kind of, from the point of failure where I thought I was absolutely done, and David Goggins talks about this, when you're yes. at 30% and Navy says, when you're at 30%, Sorry, when you think you're at 100% and you're done, you're at 30%. Mm-hmm. And I went back out there, got my stuff together, got my head together, um, reminded myself why I was out there. You know, I wanted to be able to defend myself instead of quitting. And I finished training and I went hard for another two hours. And it was a huge lesson. And I was like, wow, like where I was at and I managed to finish that session was I, what else was I quitting on way too early in my life? Right. So it was a massive, massive lesson for me. Really cool experience. Lovely people in Thailand. Uh, and when I came back, uh, I was still working in sales, but on the weekends, started training people because they'd be like, oh, Angus, you know, you're in good shape now. Like, can you maybe train us? And I really enjoyed training others on the martial arts and self-defense, like women uh, who wanted to lose like 10 pounds and mm-hmm. confident. 
So I started doing that on the weekends, uh, really enjoyed it. And then just kind of went back into the sales world, bouncing around loads of different jobs. Eventually found a really good sales job. Um, and I, I, I did very well there, broke a lot of the company records because I was just a hard worker. But the, 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 the biggest checks I got, I've, I eventually made this kind of six-figure check, right? And I was like, oh my God, like, you know, I've been failing on this for ages and I'd finally got there. And it led me to a depression because I just, I just attached my happiness to making six figures. And um, I just started partying more. I started gambling, started drinking. Um, and then that just led me to, I was living in a sort of penthouse apartment, you know, everything is brand new. I'd kind of like done, done yeah. quite well, um, to being like, you know, $50,000 in debt and not being able to pay my bills and I had to move back in my parents. And it was like, at that point I kind of, I was like, what have I done? Um, and I kind of was looking back at the victim mindset when I was younger mm-hmm. and I was like. I'm just letting myself down, but my family and that, that really annoyed me. And I, I asked myself what made me happy because the gambling, the drinking, none of it made me happy. It was all escapism. And I was like, it, it was helping the, the women. Uh, it was helping the, the people on the weekends and that I was, I wasn't getting paid much. And it, there was another situation where um, I was, I was playing poker on the weekends as well. And uh, I just enjoyed it for a competitive mm-hmm. kind of game. And um, my mum mentioned she had, she worked with autistic children and it was around December time. And she said the the girl's mother had purchased, like she spent the, the December welfare check all on dog food. So the child didn't have any money. Like the mother didn't have any money to buy the child a bike for Christmas. So my mum was like, oh, this is really sad. Like this girl's not going to get a bike for Christmas. And I was I was like, well, mom, like I'm paying a poker tournament later. Let me, um, if I win, I'll buy her a bike. And my mom's like, yeah, whatever. You know, that's a nice thought, right? And at the time I was living with my parents um, and I, I I played the tournament. It was 1,500 players. I played it the week before and I finished ninth, which was really annoying because ninth got 300 bucks. It was a small buy-in, <laughs> uh, but the winner got 3,000 bucks. And I was like, damn, I came so close. Right. Right? The next week I played the exact same tournament. And I was like, right, I'm going to do it today. But I, I played some of the best poker I ever played because it wasn't about me, it was about the girl. And I get to the final table and I'm chip leader this time. And I remember texting my friend, I was like, I made the final table. And 20 minutes later, I won a tournament for $3,000. Wow. So in my drawer, I had, a little, I had some cash. Um, so I got an envelope. Um, so I knew my mum would wake up in the morning because poker finishes at like, you know, like early morning. So yeah, like, like eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. It was like <laughs> 1 a.m. Something like that. So I, I got an envelope and uh, said to my mum, I, I wrote on the um, envelope, uh, buy the girl a bike for Christmas, smiley face with like 300 bucks inside. So my mum woke up and got that. And that, that for me, right. I have no idea what I did with the other $3,000. Right? Right. The, the other 2,700. I have no idea, but I remember my mum sending me a picture of the girl on a bike. And I was like, that's it. I was like, that's what life's about, but it's about helping other people. And I'd just been chasing the money, chasing objects, chasing, you know, the holidays, the, all the stuff that just didn't mean anything. Cause when I got there, it was it, like, is this it? That's the question. So I, I looked at that point in my life where I'd been getting paid pretty good money. Um, and I was like, I'm going to go all in with personal training and I'm going to mm-hmm. start a coaching business. Now, every single human being I knew 
Well, like that's ridiculous. Like the money you're earning to now be a personal trainer who gets paid like 15 bucks an hour. Right. Uh, I was like, yeah, but this is what I want to do. So I went against everyone's advice, mm-hmm. started out and, um, you know, here we are and we, you know, we've got a really successful business now. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd kind of, from that point, I was in, I was in pretty bad health as well. I'd, you know, the drinking, smoking and just not paying uh, attention to my health. I then uh, stopped gambling, stopped drinking, stopped smoking, just, you know, took out my vices and then I doubled down on investing in my health. So mm-hmm. did a DNA test, you know, got certified as a personal trainer, got certified in sleep, neurology, um, you know, sports nutrition, and just really double down. And eventually I kind of got into, uh, do a test of my body. And I was like, Oh, I've actually kind of really got my body back around from where it was sort of revert, maybe reverse some stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was a big shock. Cause after sort of like, you know, five years of really investing in myself, I was like, Oh, wow, I've kind of managed to turn this around. And that's what we do for other people is I've been on that journey of, you know, being successful and, and, and a high performer, mm-hmm. but my sleep was awful. My diet was awful. I was overtrained and under recovered. So now when I work with kind of like six, seven, eight figure entrepreneurs, uh, athletes we work with, you know, it's finding those people, their, um, their peak performance through sleep and then through the DNA and things like aura mm-hmm. ring we use. So, so anyway, I know I went on some tangents there, but that kind of gives a, yeah. an overview and, and also why I'm really passionate about helping people. Cause I've kind of been through that journey, um, as a child, but then, you know, kind of found the fulfillment of helping others. Yeah. That's what an incredible story of that. It's, uh, going to Thailand, like just by yourself out of nowhere. Like, did you know somebody there at all? Yeah. Or was that just like, this is something that I just feel like I need to, to do, get completely out of my element and go somewhere that I am so out of my comfort zone and see what comes out. Yeah, it was, you know, I think when, um, when, when pain turns into frustration, like that's when you're like, right, I need to make a change. And I'd, I just knew I needed to change my environment and environment is really, really important. And the funny thing was I was, I was at the airport with my friend who gave me a lift and we were talking. So I went to the ATM, put my card in, I took out some money and I left the card in there because I was distressed. With my friend. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've basically gone through the terminal and then I go into the bar to buy a drink and I was like, Oh, where's my card? And they're like, Oh damn, I need to go and get, like, you can't go back. So then for the rest of the holiday, I was going to like Western unions, um, like queuing up with basically, yeah. uh, drug dealers and prostitutes. Oh my God. <laughs> wiring money while my mum and my mum was having to go to like the local shop. Uh, and why are we money through Western Union? So uh, that 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 was fun. But the Thai people were so lovely. They're like, don't worry, just pay for your accommodation at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, they gave me some bottles of water and stuff. And it was, uh, yeah. yeah, managed to get through it. But yeah, lovely people. Yeah. It's amazing the that energy that you can feel from just giving something to someone else like you did with the girl on the bike. You know, I had a kind of how I got into this world, you know, much less, uh, much less uh, dramatic in many ways, but I was working in a restaurant and then was going to a gym that I eventually worked at for a long time. And if anybody's worked at a restaurant, you know that it is not the most positive energy on that line. It's most people who are complaining about tables, the cooks are yelling at the expediter, expediters yelling at the, there's just a lot of negative energy. And then started going to the, the gym and seeing people that were trying to better themselves. And then somebody asked a question, you, you answer it. They're very grateful and helpful. So it's so positive. Then you go back to the restaurant and realized how negative it was. But when you're just in that environment so much, like you, you don't even like feel 
that energy of it. It's kind of like if you're a smoker, you don't realize how much it smells on your clothes until you stop smoking. And then you realize, you know, that stench around there. So it's like, it's the same with, you don't realize the energy that you can get from helping people until you see something like that. Yeah. A cheesy line is, is giving is living, but it's, um, I, yeah, honestly, I see some people who are still chasing the money thing and I, yeah. I kind of, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, multimillionaires talk about buying their dream home and they get there and they were like, Oh, is this a, I thought it's going to feel well different. Yeah. Or you buy the Ferrari and you drive it for two days and you're like, yeah. All right, cool. You know, so yeah, that, that, that's the path I'm on. So obviously we, we grow a business and want to be successful, but it's, it's impact driven. It's, it's helping people. And that, that's like the new addiction of helping people. And that's, that's really where we're at. Yeah. So you got into personal training, you were doing that for a bit. And then down the line, you started looking at sleep. And then now you have, you've, uh, you know, built the company sleep performance coach from there. What was that kind of journey? Like, was this something that you just started to see, oh, this is a major problem that's going on? Or as you said, like you did the DNA test, was this just something personal that you were kind of on your own journey with? Yeah, so the, the personal training started out where, you know, boot camps was training uh, sort of uh, people on the weekends for weight loss, training uh, some kids as well, which is really fun, helping them out. Uh, really enjoyed that. And then it was, okay, now we need to look at nutrition so we, we can actually give people the nutrition choices. Because I'd always suffered from bad skin. It was a big rabbit hole I've, I've mm-hmm. gone down. And I can still get it today, but from the, the research and the tests I've done, I can kind of find the culprits, which is really sort of awesome knowing that because it's uh, mm-hmm. such a minefield of information. So went down that route and then I, I got a, I stumbled across the, the DNA test and the sleep side and there's something called a chronotype. Now there are some experts who have multiple, like four chronotypes. I prefer just looking at two because genetically we're either wired to be a morning lark. So if, if you're listening, you'd, you'd wake up at like five, 6am mm-hmm. love waking up in the morning and you go to sleep pretty early, kind of like maybe even like 9, 10 p.m., right? So I'm, I'm a bit of a granddad. I, I have, yeah, I'm in bed at nine o'clock, right? Uh, so I go to <laughs> so um, I'm, a, I'm a morning lot, but I love the mornings. Now, when I was playing poker and I was working in the city and I was kind of just living that life, you know, it's nine to five job. You go to the bars afterwards, you go and party in the evening was my favorite time, um, socializing, being out at night. I did the DNA test and, uh, and just sorry to summarize the, uh, the night hour would probably go to sleep more like 11, 12 and wake up maybe like sort of anywhere between six and eight. So it is quite different. Um, so, so it's when about did, a two or three hour kind of difference between kind of morning versus night. Yeah, it, it, it does depend. Right. But mm-hmm. it like, we, we, we're just kind of more like I ask people free questions. So anyone can do this and you, you can do this for fun now as well, if you want. So, uh, if you grab a pen or a piece of paper or, uh, you know, you've got a computer uh, and we ask people free questions when we do a sleep talk. So question a, uh, sorry, question one is what is your favorite time of day? So is it a the morning? Is it B the afternoon or C the evening? So just make a, make a note of that. Second question is if you had to go to the gym and break a world record. So if you're going to do your deadlift, you're going to do your bench, what time of day would you choose? Would you choose A, B, or C? And the third one, uh, and you've got to make quick decisions. If you're unsure, just make a decision. Just go with what feels right. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, the third one is if you had to write a 2,000-word article and it's in your favorite magazine, what time of day would you choose? Would you choose A, B, or C? Now, hopefully, and, and did you, what did you get, Michael? I got all morning on all three of them. Triple A. Awesome. Yeah. Nice and easy. You're a morning lark. Yeah. <laughs> test, right? 
and, and our, and our intuition after we've been alive for a few decades, normally the best route to go down, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, right now you're a morning lark and, and that serves you and, and that's what you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Some people are like ABC and like, I'm not sure schedule plays a big role in sleep that isn't talked about enough. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a hygiene point list. Then you go, oh, I've got a baby. I've got a dog. I've, right. I've shift work. Like, so context really matters when coaching people uh, with sleep. But um, the, the, the way it works in our brain is we have this master clock and the master clock is either running slightly faster than 24 hours. So that would mean you're a morning lark chronotype. So you get up before the sun, right? Mm-hmm. So your, your clock, this clock running all of your biology, release of your hormones, like your cortisol, adrenaline, body temperature in the morning, they're all running on clocks. So your clock runs slightly faster than the sun. So it means it's running at like 23.5 hours, right? So now you want to wake up nice and early. Now, a night owl might be running a slower clock. So they're about 25 hours. So they wake up after the sun, but then they're up later, right? So that internal biology in the master clock is really where our peak performance lies because all of our cells have timekeeping. You know, the sun is on timekeeping. We, we could go mm-hmm. into an app right now. We can see the exact minute the sun's going to rise and the exact minute it's going to set. We can go into an app and we can look at what times the tide is going in and out. So the exact right. minute. Right. So the timekeeping is there. Now, all of our cells have their own timekeeping. That's where synchronicity um, is going to come in and peak performance, mm-hmm. which isn't easy to achieve, but it's possible through consistency. It's the boring bit about sleep, right? If you get consistency, yeah, right. great. When, real quick, when you say peak performance, is that physical or is that yeah. cognitive or is it a combination yeah. of both? Yeah, like what times your testosterone release for your mm-hmm. peak mental performance, what time what times the rhythm of your body temperature for physical performance. Most mm-hmm. people find there, uh, like I'll, I'll guess, you, you know, your best workout time is in the afternoon, right? It's, you know, it's funny, like energy wise, like I feel afternoon, like that's when I can really push strength, but cognitively, like in the morning time, that's when I'm like, all right, I'm ready to get stuff done. But it's funny, Angus, because as you were talking now, like in the summertime, it's lighter a lot earlier in the day. I'm usually up at 5.30 or so. And in yep. the wintertime, it's pitch black there for another hour and a half or so until the sun starts peeking up. And that's when I do a lot of my creativity-based work, where now it's like there's more physical energy, I feel, because the sun's up and I'm seeing a lot more light, but it's not this exact same cognitively, and I feel that. So I don't know if that's something with the seasons as well. Definitely. It's a fantastic question. And, you know, what you've just talked about is your peak mental performance in the morning where you've mm-hmm. got that uh, testosterone release and your highest alertness mm-hmm. and in the afternoon, your peak body temperature where you're best to perform. Yes. So you fit perfectly into that chronotype. And I, you know, that's where we can guess now the night owl, they're, they're not peak morning brain people, they're afternoon peak brain people and their muscle workout, uh, their muscle efficiency, cardio output will actually be sort of late afternoon, evening. So now we just shift them a little bit. And that's where we can kind of uh, slot in. So the, the way I explained it with your clock running slightly faster than the sun mm-hmm. or slower, uh, Dr. Stephen Lockley explained it like that. And I, I think it's fantastic uh, the way he simplified it. Uh, he's somebody I've had. Well, I've had uh, Mikey uh, from Time Shifter. They've got an app which helps with jet lag and shift work, which is really great. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually speaking to him today about some projects because it's, uh, it's a really important subject, helping people with shift work. So the point about mm. the seasons, right? is I believe, you know, like say when you're working in a restaurant and you probably worked, let's just say you worked 10 till seven, right? Mm-hmm. In the seasons, did they change your shift power? 
Uh, no. No, exactly. So what happens with society is society is 24, 7, 3, 6, 5. So if you work right. nine to five, what happened in England at some point was that the sun's rising at eight and setting at six. So I'd go to work dark in the darkness and I'd mm-hmm. go home in the darkness. In the summer, the sun's rising at five in the morning, yes. going to work light, and it's setting at like 8 p.m. in the evening. Mm-hmm. So, and it, you, that, so it's such a difference, right? Now, the main contributor, and again, this is what I learned from the guys at Timeshifter, they work with all the, uh, the major NASA uh, astronaut projects with mm-hmm. SpaceX, with Richard Branson. So they're, they're really smart guys with circadian rhythm. And they said that the only influencer on your circadian rhythm is light. So things can impact your sleep, like coffee, stress, temperature, but the only thing that impacts and alters your circadian rhythm is light. So what happens Uh-oh. is when we're exposed to light is the light's going to hit our retina. The retina then signals to that master clock, which hormones to release or suppress. Right. So in the morning when we get sunlight and we don't want to stare directly at the sun because that can cause issues, but we let the sun hit our face. And then now the brain's going to go, oh, right. Okay. Let's suppress the melatonin, which is the hormone of darkness. Mm-hmm. It gets released during darkness. So we go to sleep and it actually releases cortisol in the morning, which a lot of people are like, oh my God, we got too much cortisol. Cortisol is released as a pulse in the morning to wake you up. Right. And it's why you feel really good. Mm-hmm. And you actually get some adrenaline as well. So, and your body temperature goes up. So, Mask goes, right, oh, it's morning. Now we need to be awake and we need to release these wakefulness hormones and we suppress for melatonin. So let's say that happens at 5.30 in the a.m. in the mm-hmm. summer. And now you're a morning lark and you get to the winter and you, the sun's rising at 8 a.m. It's like two and a half hours later. Right. And you wake up and it's pitch black and it's cold. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, like now what does your brain do in terms of sensory inputs? Oh, this is a wrong time to be awake, right? Right. We need to go back to sleep. <laughs> but your the schedule of the world, nine to five jobs continue being nine to five jobs, right? Mm-hmm. So when you wake up in the morning and it's 8 a.m., um, or let's just say you wake up at 5.30 in the morning, through tracking so many, like hundreds of people sleep on my own, is that biology is still happening at 5.30, but you just woke up. The sensory input was dark and cold. So you're like, right, comfort. I want to go back to sleep now. Plus, we've maybe been a bit tired. It's all just the mm-hmm. cocktail of like going back to sleep. So what we've what we work with a lot of high performers is we we want to dial in 24, 7, 3, 6, 5, the 5:30 to 10. So the way we manufacture that is light. So in the morning when I wake up, if if I'm in a place where it's dark, I just go bang, switch on the light, get as much light as possible, go and have a shower. And then instead of getting sunlight in the morning, which I'd, would be the ideal thing, I would have artificial light. And an artificial light, if, if you can get natural sunlight, depending on where you are, how much sun's emitting. Like you could be in the sun for two minutes, maybe 20 minutes and it's good. Mm-hmm. And that, that will just like get those hormones released and going. And I'd also get water hydration while you're doing that as well. We can lose a liter of water through breath, just through sleep. So in the morning, wow. re- rehydration and light, like people are like, oh, I feel like a different human being. Yeah. Even my brother, I saw at a family event last week. I was like, you should try this. He's talking to me about sleep. I was like, wow, I feel different. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, so cool. Looking at how much of an impact it has on people. So if you can either get the sunlight for two to 20 minutes, and depending on how bright your artificial light is, I've got a big light box. I'd, I'd probably get that for about 60. But, you know, if, you, if I'm waking up at 5.30 and the sun isn't rising to wait, I'll just have as much light as possible until the other light's available. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like the, it really is the key in your natural hormonal rhythms to be getting the light. So 
my advice is throughout the seasons, uh, continue to get, um, continue to wake up at the same time. Now that's just a, um, that's an opinion, right? Mm -hmm. The other part of it as well is maybe you're not a high performer or maybe even if you are a high performer, our body wasn't meant to be on 24, seven, three, six, five. Maybe like bears go and hibernate for six months a year, really through adaptation of they're just not being food around. If there's food around, right. like, <laughs> let's be out all the time. But maybe that's what our body naturally wants. And the sun's dictating life. And it's like, actually, you should be high, you should be using the winter season to restore. Mm-hmm. You be using the summer to be active because the, the society we live in is over overstressed and under-recovered because people aren't having one day off a week, you right. know? So in the seasons, there could be uh, an argument. Someone says, actually, no, I, I like to sleep in during the winter. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion for performance, I've, I've tested it. I feel really lethargic. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think we have an identity as well as high performers, the ones that wake up early in the morning. You know, there's nothing wrong with waking up 3, 4 a.m. if that's what works for you because it's your right. identity and you're a go-getter and you get up before everyone else. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that with light, that's the only impact that really can change our circadian rhythm because there's so many things we talk about with caffeine and routines and all this different stuff. And one thing that changed my sleep pattern so much was I got an alarm clock that was a light alarm clock that yeah, yeah. 10 minutes before it starts to almost be like a sunrise that's going on in the room versus the iPhone, which is the blast of you know of the, of the sound in your ear at the exact moment you're supposed to wake up. And that completely changed, like not my sleep pattern, because I worked hard on that of like, I I make sure that I get my eight hours, but just how I felt right off the bat in the morning time, like seeing that light go on, I was like, okay, you just naturally start to rise a lot better. And my energy seemed like it came back a lot quicker in the morning time. Yeah. Now, the more you bring an awareness to like how good you probably feel, how alert you are in the morning, just from your hormones. And you're like, actually, I don't need caffeine straight away. And that gradual, the gradual rise is great. We've, we've used so many of those clocks. I, I should definitely be affiliated with uh, one of the brands because mm-hmm. we've sold so many. Yeah. But no affective disorder is really where people are, 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 you know, actually feeling more depressed. And the suicide rates don't go up during that time. It's, it's actually just after that kind of season's finished. So mm-hmm. people are feeling lethargic. They're feeling depressed. Um, they don't know what's up with them. And they're just kind of snoozing and sleeping longer. And they've just got more of this melatonin, but they're just not having enough of the, the wakefulness promotion mm-hmm. and that people can kind of like slip into not feeling good. So light and water, the two main things uh, that I would go for. So yeah, light is the, it's the giver of life. You know, if, if the sun, let's just think about this. What if the sun woke up tomorrow, two hours late, the birds would stop tweeting. Yeah, they'd be like, yeah. what's going on? The plants would be like, well, I was meant to grow now. What's happening? You know? Yeah. yeah there'd be massive to state of dis dysfunction. Mm-hmm. That's really where light is the, the giver of all life. And it's, um, it's a free resource, man, you know, big farmer don't want people to know this. If you can just get light and water pretty cost effective. Right. So. Yeah. It's interesting. I was just talking with a few of my clients about this time we've, you know, here in New York, we've had a beautiful couple of weeks of a lot of sunlight and people, I just feel energized, you know, today. Like, I just feel like I'm having a lot more juice. It's like, yeah, getting outside, you're feeling that sunlight on there. It's just that natural, you know, it's that natural energy that we need. But with the people that you work with, Angus, like, especially like the high performers, like what are usually the, the big things that they struggle with? Is it more of 
not going to bed at a certain time or is it waking up too early? Is it more of the routine kind of what, is there a specific thing that it seems like most people struggle with more than others? I, I think it's, I think for the, the super successful people, they've just started neglecting their health a bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've got free assets. If we say we've got time, energy and money, we've just gone into a zone, which I went into where I just prioritize money. But the most important asset is time. If we can have unlimited amount of any of them, we choose time, right? Yeah. And then if we could like get better sleep, then we can actually, because what, what we do with somebody is we'll, we'll find these high performers. We actually save them hours in a day because they're going to sleep like late maybe, or maybe even early, but then they're waking up late because they don't feel great in the morning. And then when we find consistency with their sleep and they actually shut off earlier in the evening, we compress the amount of time they're asleep. Now, some of these high performers, they're like millionaires and doing extremely well. Like, oh, I've got another three hours in a day and I've got an extra month a year and that's worth hundreds of thousands to me. So, you know, I, I think a lot of the time, you know, people talk about there are, there are mentors in success in business, but then what are people talking about mentors in energy to manage your states as you grow? And are you right. uh, delegating and are you outsourcing? And, um, you know, like your, your crazy aspirational goals are fantastic, but like your health gets conceded, conceded, and then you just end up being the richest person in a graveyard. And yeah. that's really where we kind of get these people to say, you know, what are you doing for you? And peak performance, like Tom Brady's a great example. He's got a really good book for the TB method. Mm-hmm. And if, if you read the book, he must say mobility about a million times, right? Like mobility, mobility, mobility. That's what I do. Then I go play football. Then I do mobility, mobility, and I stretch. And look at the longevity he's got in his career. And what they're talking about is stress plus recovery equals growth. Now, the piece that gets missed is recovery. Yes. So before I did my DNA report, I was in the gym six days a week. I was going there two hours a day, impatient, want to grow muscle. <laughs> you know. And then I did the DNA report. I said, actually, I've got a slow recovery and I've got awful cardio but I've got a very good ability to build uh, for power and strength to build muscle. So I said, okay, let me, let me try and prove this stuff wrong and test it. And then I started uh, doing a three day split with time off in between and I was getting much better results. So I was training less and getting faster results. And I think that's a key concept. We, we talk with the entrepreneurs is uh, an F1 car can't win a race without a pre-planned pit stop. So I want you right. to win the race. I don't want to be the sleep guy, but it's like, Hey Michael, just sleep in today. Don't worry about it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll like just, you know, get as much sleep and, you know, don't go and achieve things. I'm like, no, I want you to be a winner. I want you to be the best. Mm-hmm. And the F1 car can only win with a pre-planned pit stop. Cause if it doesn't, it can, it can lap the other people a couple of times and then it's right. tires will run out. It's engine will run out of fuel. Right. So that's where we're at with entrepreneurs is like, okay, where are your pre-planned pit stops? Some, some of them, it's like a midday off, uh, a day off in the middle of the week, half a day off. Some of it, it's one day off in the weekend. But if, if we're building an athletic plan, right, let's just say I, I like 12-week plans. When we're building muscle, you're probably mm-hmm. similar, like looking at that. So we kind of look at pre-season. We're building mobility, building foundations. You might hit like, uh, you know, pretty good form now in, in the second four weeks and f- you're getting progress. And now the last four weeks, that's really where you're in peak performance. Like you've teed everything up. You've built the foundations, the pyramid, mm-hmm. and now you're really performing and, and you're doing really well. Now, I think what's missed in most plans to get built and the plans I used to build myself and even my clients, I didn't have week 13 week off. I didn't factor it in. Deload, Re- yep. Recovery week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, deload and, you know, go to the beach for a week, go and have fun for a week, let your body recover 
I've actually looked my aesthetically my best sometimes on those weeks off because yes. of a recovery. I'm like, I haven't trained for a week, but I feel pumped, right? Mm-hmm. Because of recovery. And now I go back into another 12 week phase and start building again and playing the long game. So if we're playing the long game, we've got to have those pre-planned stops. So super high performers, the, the highest level, they're going to look at their, their annual calendar, go, right, three months and I'm going to have a week off uh, the next phase and I have a week off there. Uh, and um, there's a really good book um, called Oversubscribed with Daniel Presley. And he talks about his, his mental doing this. He'd start his diary for the year planning his holidays and his family time in first. Then he'd plan his projects and create everything in around those gaps. Right. So I think we can look at performance at that level is we just can't be on all the time. Mm-hmm. Like burnout is an enforced rest. And I think that's where we just underestimated, like how we can get the next thing, the next thing. Well, no, we need stress plus recovery equals growth. Mm-hmm. We need those pre-planned pit stops. So that would be like an overarching kind of thing we'd work on with people. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my coach Brett has one of the best lines with, with strength and recovery says the best recovery plan is designing your plan. So you don't have to recover from it, (laughs) you know? So it's like, and a lot, I just had a great, uh, I just had a great call last week with, um, some master instructors in my company strong first, I work with of how it's almost these planned deloads three or four weeks, you know, every, you know, every three, four weeks, it's almost a planned deload where you're still moving, but you're dropping down that weight just to build that recovery right into the plan on it. So, and it's fast, you know, it's fascinating, Angus, that, you know, especially in the Western culture, it's this almost badge of honor of working late hours and you're pushing it and you're grinding it. Cause that's what you hear what Elon did and all that type of work. But I think the thing we don't talk about as much is, you know, when you're coming up and you're starting to see those bonus checks and you get that six figures on there, there's a high that comes with that too. And like an energy that you can almost live on a little bit. It's kind of like somebody who just gets into the gym. When you start to see that progress of what you're making, it's almost like this energy that comes up too. So you think, well, if I'm doing it now, like what if I do even more and I keep pushing it, I'm going to get even more energy. And it's almost this slippery slope that we go down of all of a sudden now we're in the overtraining bracket or the overworked bracket. And we didn't even realize it, but that initial kind of feeling good because you're doing something different and you're seeing the benefits of it. I think that's something that we don't realize. Yeah. There's an energy to that too, but you can go down a slippery slope if you keep going down that path. Yeah. And it, it, I think if, if we're not careful, we, we all feel like we're underachievers because we've all got these epic to-do lists of things. And, oh, you know, we focus on what we didn't achieve rather than what we yes. did achieve. We actually achieved quite a lot. So if we're playing the long game and it's something, you know, our mentor Brian's talked about, it, it helps me take away anxiety that I'm not doing enough is I'm playing the long game. And it's, it's, it's kind of like success for sure, rather than like, oh, bang, success and then crash. So playing the long game. And I, I loved what your coaches said. And I think, like I said, I was one of those sort of junior coaches was like, yeah, five day split for my clients, six day yeah. split for me. And I, I've actually worked with some clients recently. You can get insomnia from being overtrained. Yeah. So the coach who's jacked and it's like, Hey, let's go to the gym. Like, let's go push it. Right. Come on, do deadlift every day. We do legs four days a week or whatever. Right? Yeah. We'll go to the gym at 6am in the morning, your highest time for injury risk. I'll never get that. But, right. You know, some people want to, get it done so that's cool but not for performance I'd, I'd definitely put it later mm-hmm. and you know that's really where these people come to me overtrained and under recovered mm-hmm. and they, they need probably more protein and they need to have for recovery days in between and the client suddenly got a satisfaction of oh, I'm, I'm finishing my workouts now I'm actually achieving it 
yeah. because I, I think a lot of trainers are pushing people as if it was them and what they can do instead of looking at the client and saying, well, this is a beginner or maybe this person's burnt out because the amount of people I've worked with who were chronically fatigued that came to me, I'm like, damn, this is four weeks of just sleep and we're going to take a month off the gym. Mm-hmm. And you got to be okay with that. Now it might dent your uh, pride and personality a little bit, but you're not jacked and you're not like getting after it every day. But if you don't do something about that soon, that's going to lead to serious health implications. So mm-hmm. it really is about rebounding people's health. And the cool thing in sleep is you get human growth hormone. Again, I'm yes. giving you guys all the natural free tips, right? <laughs> so when I was when I was working out six days a week and I was getting crap sleep, I was waking up in the morning. I didn't get enough recovery. If I prioritize my sleep, I'm going to get human growth hormone that goes and repairs the muscles. And during that prepare, like that repairing phase, we, we're going to get recovery and we'll get growth during sleep. Yeah. So, you know, we go to the gym, we lift the bicep, uh, we do a bicep curve away, we break down the bicep in the gym, and then we're going to get some protein and we're going to hydrate afterwards. Mm-hmm. We go to sleep and with time, that's adaption. And adaption leads to the growth. Yeah. So don't skip, if you go to the gym, a lot and you got crap sleep, then, you know, we don't really need to look at testosterone for you. We should probably look at getting you better sleep, looking at your diet. And then you could probably naturally boost testosterone for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're under 50, then I'd, I'd, I'd be quite interested to test it naturally first. If we could achieve that, great. We don't need any extras. Right. And, um, you know, maybe if not after 12 weeks and you could consider something else. You know, it's interesting. I just had a, a good friend of mine, Antonio Scolante on, who's an amazing researcher at the University of uh, Southern California, and he's doing a lot of work with athlete readiness. And that's what we talked about a lot. And his, uh, the data that he gave was, was crazy. He was saying that if you are under-recovered, the, your weight, your strength could decrease by 2 to 18% in just one day from it. So if you're with everything with strength, we do it by percentages. So we say if you're lifting 80% of your one rep max on let's say like a deadlift, but you're under recovered, the next time you step up to that bar, it's still 80% of your weight based on your one rep max, but your recovery, it could be almost 98% of your one rep max. So all of a sudden, that's when a lot of times we think like, oh, I I feel like I'm regressing because this bar feels like it's not even coming off the ground anymore. It's like, no, it's just the under recovery. And that can happen like really quickly, just from like a couple of just from a couple of days of bad sleep or just not getting the right recovery methods that you're doing. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting, both studies. Uh, I'd love to listen to that as well. Always, Mm -hmm. always interested in learning because I I never, you know, sort of try to be the smartest, but I'm always looking to learn and and adapt with new information Mm -hmm. as well. And and I think with performance, if we looked at a chronotype, if you were to perform out of time with your chronotype, like if I'll give you a good example, if you were to squat, right? And we're like, okay, Michael, we're going to go to the gym at like 7am to squat. I can squat, but I'm not going to do that. Well, where would you be? You might be at 70, 80%, right? 90 would be a, would be a push. And then your injury risk goes up as well. Um, Now we kind of said, okay, well, let's go at 3 p.m. You're like, cool, I got this. Like, this is me. Like, 3 p.m., I had my food, body's warmed up, done mm-hmm. my work in the morning, feeling great. Okay, cool. Now we might go in the evening and go, I could probably do it, but it's not feeling that great. So that there can be up to 30% difference on performance. So performance is your thing and timing matters. So I, I kind of know from testing and uh, just, you know, the, the stuff with the chronotypes, uh, the mm-hmm. research, you know, I just know 3 p.m., like, three, 4 PM is the sweet spot and the gyms aren't busy at that time. So I haven't got to say, no, no one's asking me, bro, how many sets you got left? I'm just like, yeah, in the gym. there it is. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, yeah, three, four to PM. So, um, so yeah, and performance, you know, performance and recovery are linked, right? So like how ready are you to perform? How well are you recovered? Mm-hmm. So things like whoop band, you know, there, it sounds like maybe that scientist might look at uh, metrics like that because mm-hmm. of the way you worded it. Um, but looking at how recovered you are to perform. Now, the other side of that is sometimes we just got to turn up and get it done because if we did everything when we feel like it, we'd probably never go to the gym. I'd probably right. not go to the gym 70% of the time, right? Exactly. Like, I don't want to go. Okay, I'm not going to go. Right. Okay, that's a problem. So <laughs> we do need to be careful of going mm-hmm. too far on like it's not my best performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we've just got to test what's right for us. We've got to understand the law of individuality of genetics. Right. We all have a unique recovery profile. Some people have got a fast, normal or slow. So we've got to kind of look at you as an individual, your schedule, your goal, and then just kind of test it and then go, cool, where do we get to? And then keep testing it, keep measuring and tracking, which I'm sure you do with all your PBs and your numbers in the gym. You know, track your macros, track your sleep, track your Mm -hmm. finances in your business, um, you know, track your weights in the gym, right? So when when you've got a number, you can measure it. And when you can measure it, then you can look on, on how to grow it. That was always my question regarding some of the technologies that are out there with recovery. Cause it's like, I think I've had some clients that have worked with whoop before. Um, I have a client that works with the Dodgers organization. They all do it out there. And I know there's the aura rings out there too. And I know there's some merit to them, but kind of like the point that you just said, Angus, if, like if you felt like you had a good night's sleep, but all of a sudden the whoops telling you that you didn't fully recover on it, but you feel really good. It's like, okay, what do you trust on that? And I've kind of told clients, I was like, well, kind of trust your instincts on it. Like, you know, go through it, go through a couple sets, see how you feel on it. So do you think, do we rely too much on technology or based on what you've seen with a lot of these for sleep recovery, are they pretty valid? Yeah, it's, it's a great point. And you're, you're on the money really is, the way I look at it is 80% how you feel, 20% the data. Hmm. Now, there, there's something you have to be wary of, something called ortho insomnia. So insomnia can be chronic or acute. So we've had like bad sleep for a week. Um, it's, it's acute and chronic is like we've had it for months and maybe years and we're just not slept very well. So ortho insomnia is where we pay too much attention to the detail. And a perfectionist is like, oh, I'm, I'm in bed. It's 9.30 p.m. Like, why am I going to sleep now? And in the morning, like, oh, I got a 65 score on my aura ring. Like, this is awful. And they're messaging me. Like, what will happen is I'll say to someone, oh, how was your sleep last night? Oh, I got a 75 score. I'm like, that's not what I asked you. I said, how was your sleep last night? Oh, yeah, I feel really, really good. I'm like, awesome, cool. Awesome, yeah. Okay. Right. So how you feel is more important than data, but what you measure, you can grow. So I like the Aura data and we use mm-hmm. Aura teams. So we use the same platform as um, the, the NBA, the F1, UFC. So they'll plug in their athletes into the system and we get the overview of what's going on with their trends, with their uh, nervous system, with HRV. We look at their resting heart rate, you know, really cool things to kind of be your own doctor. You can look at what's happening in your nervous system. And we can look at a baseline and we can say, right, uh, we can actually look at body temperature deviation as well. It's the main reason the NBA signed up with Aura because when COVID came around, the NBA wanted to know if someone was getting COVID. So your body temperature is going to increase. Uh, mm. So the two most important metrics I look at Aura, actually body temperature deviations, we can see a, we can see a spike and go, actually, have you got COVID or a flu or is your body overheating? You, you know, maybe this is signal to get ill. And if we can have an intervention, someone getting ill, we can save people a lot of money because, you know, prevention is worth one tenth of uh, illness, right? So if you burn out for a month, you know, could you have invested 10% of of what you lost in actually the prevention, right? 
So really important to do that. Um, and I actually use a sleep journal. That's really impactful because what Aura doesn't ask you is, hey, Michael, good morning. How do you feel today on a scale of one to right. 10? And you're like, oh, I, I feel like a nine. I feel great. Awesome. Thank you, Michael. Put it into the system, right? Mm-hmm. So the one to 10 scores we ask our clients are mental ability to perform. How rested are you? How would you rate your sleep quality? Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of go into these one to tens and therefore the client can see the data for the time they're working with us. And they come to us like two out of 10 on sleep and they leave like a nine or a 10. And like, oh yeah, I forget. I forget. I even felt like that two out of 10. We're like, yeah, awesome. So we, we use the Aura data as a guideline and, and a client I had recently, very successful guy, exited his business um, and was using Aura for years. And he just always got awful scores. It was like, he worked with a functional neurologist for a while um, and just tried loads of stuff, like being on all the YouTube talks and just nothing worked. So we did a blood test, we did a DNA test and we looked at the Aura data and what I, what I said to him is you're playing the aura game and it's failing you because you're, you're genetically, you need under seven hours of sleep a night. It's just like your, your energy expenditure every day. We have a baseline. Uh, his, his was under seven. So he doesn't need that much. Now we factored in how much he's moving. So he wasn't working out pretty much at all. He was going mm-hmm. for walks. Um, and then we started looking at improving his sleep quality. So he was waking up at like 3 a.m. and kind of uh, he was taking some medications and stuff to go to sleep which I'm really passionate against because there's a lot of health risks that aren't, aren't discussed when those people issue those things. But anyway, point being is we, um, we, we got him six and a half hours of quality sleep every night. And then I started just saying, let's pay more attention to how you feel. You know, I feel pretty good. Awesome. And then we started moving away from the ring and saying, actually, how do you feel every day? Let's get in state of adaption. And he was like, yeah, I, I, now I feel great and I've got consistent sleep. I don't get disturbed during the middle of the night. And mm-hmm. if I do, I can go back to sleep. And therefore he gets a 65 every night, but doesn't care. He's just looking at the data as a guideline and we want to reduce his hate, uh, resting heart rate, increase his HRV. So that's a good example where the aura algorithm is for the average person, but no right. one listening to this podcast want to be average. Like, yeah, I want to be average. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to be eight hours of sleep a night. Well, you're, you're, you're an individual. Yeah. You might need six hours. You might need seven. You might need eight, nine. An NBA athlete could sleep for 12 hours a day because they're working out three times a day. So the law of individuality is you're unique. You use the data as a guideline. And uh, maybe I can give you the journal share of your audience if people want to download it and just look at the trends themselves and ask those questions once, 10 every day. Like, Mm -hmm. how am I feeling? What's my mental alertness? What's my energy like? Oh, that's so cool. I love the breakdown you said of like the 80-20. I think that's such an important, you know, rule to do like 80% how you feel and then track the data. I think nutrition kind of should be like along the same thing. You know, people say, oh, should you track everything? It's like, well, for a period of time, I think absolutely. I think that's great. Like get the understanding of what's going on. And then you build the skill of knowing, okay, this is what I need to do for my body. And you build it. And I, I think for sleep, it seems like it's kind of on the same track, like, yeah, use it so you can get a baseline of it and know what it feels like when it says you're at 70% or 80%. But afterwards, you know, trust yourself. It's like, we don't need data for everything for the rest of our lives. It's like, but understand it so you can build the skill of it. Yeah. What I enjoy is, you know, I I wouldn't go to a a doctor, a a general practitioner doctor and say, oh, hi doc, I've got a problem. They, they have a tough gig because they're generalist, right? I, yeah, I think yeah. we're in a modern day society where we can get a blood test and we can get a doctor's notes on that exact blood test. Like my my doctor won't just, I can't go in the UK and say, oh, can I just look at my bloods and see what's going on for free? What are you talking about? So you, you got to invest and find a company 
um, to do your bloods, but you can look at your hormones, you can look at your uh, vitamins, your minerals. Um, you can do that every 12 weeks, your red blood cells turn over. And now you can start looking at baselines and you say, actually, oh, my iron's really deficient and I'm moving a lot during sleep or, or whatever it is, or I feel really down and your vitamin D is low, you know, so you can do blood testing yourself and get doctor's notes. You can look at your data on your HRV and, and your, uh, your body temperature with your ring or, or sleep tracker. Um, so I think there are loads of ways we can start tracking health, a glucose monitor to see what happens when you eat mm. foods and, you know, kind of, um, you know, microbiome tests. So there's loads of things we can do now where we can take control of our health mm-hmm. and we can do that prevention at one to 10 where, you know, right now investing in your health is going to prevent hopefully or avoid, you know, some, uh, some serious issues down the line. Yeah. Um, Angus, it's been awesome chatting with you. Um, I know I want to be respectful of your time. So uh, this time just flew by with you. It's a blast talking with you. I'd love to have you back on because I think we're just getting started with a lot of this good stuff. Yeah, man, I could go. Yeah, it's been really, really fantastic. So round two, I'd be uh, more than happy. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. I'll share the journal with you to share with your audience if they want to use it. That'd be perfect. Um, yeah. And if listeners want to check out more of Sleep Performance Coats, what's the best place that they can go and check stuff out? I'm yeah, my social media is pretty awful. Um, we're, we're working on rebranding everything at the moment. So my Facebook, you can find me Angus Buckle. So it's Angus, A-N-G-U-S-B-U-C-K-L-E or, um, uh, sleepprocoach.com is our website. So yeah, not, not the best on social media, but, um, yeah, we're going to be changing that, but Michael really appreciate having me on man. And, and hopefully someone, so people got some tips. If you just get some light and some water, you yeah. can be feeling pretty good pretty quickly. So 100%. No, I appreciate it, Angus. Thank you so much. Till next time. And listeners, thank you so much. Go get some sleep. It will do wonders for you. We'll catch you on the next one. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found some great value here. And if you like this episode, please drop a comment and leave us a five-star rating and review. It does more to build the show than you can imagine. And do not forget to check out and join the Strength Connection Facebook group. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. It's, this group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey. And you'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into the physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. So do not wait. Go now. Seriously, go. I right, much love to you. Thank you so much and I'll catch you on the next one.